All right. In chapters 10 and chapters 11, Paul emphatically with earnestness said that he was praying for the house of Israel, that all of Israel might be saved. It was his heart's desire, but Paul understood that his ministry was to the Gentiles. And so as the Gentiles would read this study, they might believe that somehow now the Gentiles are more acceptable than the Israelites are, and that now since God is coming to them, he might be seeing them in a better light. But Paul goes into chapter 11 and lets us know, no, that is not the case. That is not the case. And as a matter of fact, because God has allowed them to turn away, it's given us an opportunity to come in. So we owe the Israelites a great debt. For if it had not been for their disobedience, even as crazy as that sounds, then because of that, he opens it up for us to come in. Amen. Amen. So, so we, can't, we can't thumb our nose. We can't raise an eyebrow against Israel because we're no better than them. And it, as a matter of fact, we owe them a great debt. But chapter 11 goes on to let us know that God hadn't forgotten Israel. They're not utterly rejected. They're not utterly put out, but that after the fullness of the Gentiles come, there is a set time. In which, and a set number of Gentiles that will be brought into the fold. That will be brought into the commonwealth of God. And then at that time, God will begin to bring back in Israel. Amen? And so, verse 28 opens up. And it first says, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Now look at 28. As we studied on last week, that they are enemies for our sake Mm -hmm. concerning the gospel. Mm -hmm. What is the gospel, somebody? The word of God ministering to the people. All right, the word of God ministering to the people. Let's go even more specific. The good news. Good news of what? Jesus Christ. And what about Jesus Christ? That's right. Absolutely. Amen. He died for our sins. He was buried and he rose on the third day morning. And he's going to be with the Father. But one of these days, he's coming back for his church. Amen. So specifically the gospel, the word gospel itself means good news. But then in the context of the Bible, we know that it's the good news about Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and second coming. Amen? Amen. And so, so if we look at this text closely, concerning that good news, the Israelites are enemies for our sake. So the gospel was given first to the Jews, but they rejected it. But then God allowed the gospel to go to the Gentiles and the Gentiles began to receive. So concerning the gospel message, they rejected because they didn't believe that one from Nazareth, uh, Joseph's son, Mary's baby. They said, who in the world can this, how could this be the Messiah? I mean, is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth? 
And, and you're saying the carpenter's son? Come on now. I mean, we've read how he's going to come with military might. What military might is he going to come with a hammer and some nails? How are you going to overthrow the Roman government with some hammer and nails? So can you see how they would look at Jesus and the Bible says he had no comeliness. So he didn't come with some kind of glow that they look at and go, oh, there's God. No, he looked just like us. Common folk with no special aura all over him. So they looked at him and said, "Mm, how can that be? It's like them saying, wait a minute. You telling me that Jesus is coming from 39th and Prospect? And he lived on that block and he was a carpenter's son. And now you're saying he's the one who's going to come and deliver us from all our ailments. Can you see how if someone did that, how we would have a John decide? So from logic perspective, you can kind of see where Israel was because they read the scriptures, but they didn't see God in them. They did it according to what they thought and what they understood and what their logic was instead of letting the spirit show them. But we can be fooled the same way. So don't get it twisted. We can mess up ourselves thinking out of our own mind what God is supposed to be like, how he's supposed to operate. But the more we get to know the Lord, the more we understand that we can't figure God out. When we think God's coming from the left, he ends up coming from the right. When we think he's coming from the north, he comes from the south. God comes in ways that we never imagined because his ways are so much above our ways. His thoughts are so much above our thoughts. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, he says, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heaven is from the earth are my ways than your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. So when we look at a text like this, it's bewildering to think that God would reject his people and that his people's rejection would be to our benefit. But it is. And so when we try to wrap our heads around that, all we end up doing is blowing up blood vessels because we can't get around God. We can't understand the mind of God because he's too big, ain't he? But what the text says, and we take by faith, is that for this very reason, the gospel came, they rejected, and then we became the blessed recipients. And that's why we are here today. If Israel had not been disobedient, they had to follow the Lord, he had his people. And there were people all around Israel that was not receiving that word. They had the word. They had the Sabbath. They had the circumcision. And everybody else was outside. But because of their disobedience, those on the outside can now be called those on the inside. But when you look at verse 28, there's something else interesting here. God says through the apostle, he said, but concerning the election." They are beloved for the fathers, the sake of the fathers. Election. What what does that mean? To be chosen. Now, was the Israelites chosen by God because they were special? No. They were just like any other nation. 
But God, according to his good pleasure, chose them. But out of that choosing, it becomes very clear that there was nothing that the Israelites had done to make themselves the chosen ones of God. But just because he decided. And the same thing goes for us. There's nothing we have done. But it's all of what God has done in us. Do we realize that we can't even put our faith in God unless he give it to you? Amen. Even the very act of having faith is a gift. Mm-hmm. And if God doesn't give it to you, you're not going to have it. And so when Jesus says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. He means nothing. You can't even believe. The Bible says that no one comes to me, Jesus says, unless the father does what? Draws them. Nobody's doing anything, but God is doing everything. Amen. So we see that God had elected them for not any special reason or any redeeming qualities of themselves. But that even in their disobedience, even in their rejection, God has not forgotten them. Because he says, because of this election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. God has not stopped loving Israel. And God has a plan for Israel. For verse 29 says, for the what? Gifts and the calling of God are what? Okay, first let's deal with the word gifts. Can you... If it's a gift, do you pay for it? No, it's free. It's free. If it's a gift, do you earn it? No. It's free. So nothing you earn, you can't work for it. You can't pay for it because it's a gift. So God is saying right here, God has given them a gift. And it's given us a gift that we didn't pay for. He's given us salvation and everything that comes with it. Free. It didn't cost us anything. And the chosenness of Israel didn't cost them anything as well. Now look at the text as well. Then it moves on and says, the calling of God. What does this mean? The calling of God. Does it mean just, hey, you who, um, brother Williams calling your name, or is there something else special about the calling of God? What is the calling of God? What does it do? All right. It grabs your attention first. Because we can't, we don't even look for God until he looks first for us. You know, we have the song that says, I'm so glad I found the Lord Jesus in time. That's a good song, but theologically... We didn't find the Lord in time. Mm -hmm. The Lord found us. Mm -hmm. Because we weren't looking for him, were we? Mm -hmm. When we were out in the world doing whatever we do, we weren't looking for him. But when he called us, Mm -hmm. the calling of God is not just some vocal words with your name, but it's an effective call. Mm -hmm. That where that you, he gets your attention and he draws you to himself. Mm -hmm. But the calling doesn't stop there. Because there's another crucial part that every one of us must have in order to be a child of God. 
And that is we must be changed. We must be changed and we must be given a gift, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the effectual call of God grabs our attention and causes us to then turn and have a desire for God. Because inside of every one of us out of birth, there's no desire for God. All have gone astray. None have sought him. Does not that the Bible say? So the effectual call gets your attention and gives you an appetite for God. Now, your faith is now applied to God. And because he's given you the gift of faith, then through your faith, he then gives you salvation through his Holy Spirit. And so out of that, we find that these gifts come together and his calling comes together so that we can be his children because we don't have that ability on our own. But I like the next word in verse 29. Read in your text for the gifts and the calling of God are what? Without repentance. Does anybody else have another translation? Without repentance too? All right. That's a good one. Irrevocable. That's the term. Without repentance, a better translation is irrevocable. What does irrevocable, now I can't say it, irrevocable mean? It is a positive situation, but I think we, there's still some more meaning. When, when we talk about irrevocable, what's the, what's the root word there? Ear. What? I, I heard it. Revoke. Revoke. So, ear, meaning? Yeah, not. That's right. So, so like irreversible means it cannot be reversed. So, irrevocable means it cannot be revoked. Impossible to? No. This actually means it cannot be revoked. That's right. There is nothing, absolutely, Sister Bond, there's nothing you can do or anybody else can do to reverse it, to revoke it. There's, there's, no, there's no recompense, if you will, for what you do because it's not based on us, is it? It's based on the Lord. And when God gives gifts, he's not what we call an Indian giver. We don't give and then take it back. But once he gives it, it's without repentance or it's irrevocable. It will not be revoked. So if God has given you the gift of salvation and the gift of the spirit, and he's called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, he's not going to turn around and say, oh, well, you didn't do, you didn't do right today. 
uh, I'm going to send you on back. It don't work like that. Talk, D. He gave you uh, What we find here is when you have truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have truly put your faith in him and he has given you these gifts Mm -hmm. and he has called you out of darkness into marvelous light, Mm -hmm. you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wring your hands like some do and say, well, I wonder if I'm going to be, you know, I, I, I keep doing what I, I, I do because I, I don't want to be lost. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are really in the arms of the master, then you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Because he don't take back what he gives. And you know what, that's so true because like you said, when you're in his arms, you really stop and think before doing wrong things. I mean, you know, where before, you know, I mean, you actually, I have found myself saying, that's not right, you know, and I won't do it. Yes. Or I'm thinking, you know, somebody that may be mad at work, a way to get back at it. you know, just pray about it. Amen. And that's so different than we used to be. Before Christ, that is not how we thought. And it's so different, and we even now as believers, we feel it when it happens. It's like, ooh. I am not what I used to be. Because I know what, I can still remember back, but something on the inside just helped me hold my peace. That's exactly right. And so, as the believer, you got to have confidence in the master. Because when you say, when you say, oh, I'm saved, you know, I've accepted Christ and he's in my life, but, you know, I got to keep doing what I do, I got I to gotta keep preaching or I got to keep teaching or I, I got to keep singing or ushering or I got to keep working in the church so I, I won't be lost. Well, either God has the power to keep you or he doesn't. But then what we do is when we say that, we say part of my salvation is in my hands. Uh, well, if, if, I, if I don't, if, if I don't do this or that, Not only are you not sure, but now you're trying to put the weight of salvation back on you. But salvation is too heavy for us to try to carry. Salvation is too heavy for us to try to run. This is something that we don't even understand what is all has happened. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If we were going one direction and we were the same creature, and then we decided to go back is one thing. But when you're in Christ, and you become a new creature, there is no going back. You didn't go left, and now I'm going to go right, or you didn't go north, and now I'm going to go south. You have been changed. But the reality is, what part in that change did we have? What, what did we do in that change? Nothing. So therefore, we, can't, we couldn't change ourselves. Surely we can't change ourselves back. 
It's not just a direction or a decision. Salvation is a completely new experience. You have been changed. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you have been made what? Alive in Christ. This, this, this change that God has made on us, it ain't like nothing else. It, it's not a decision where I'm going to start doing this instead of doing that. You are not the same. And that's how you know when you are truly saved. Because God gives us a present that he lets us still see our old self. He still see that history. And then we see how we operate today. If what we're doing today is just like we did back then, then we need to check ourselves. We need to check our relationship with God. But when we see that change and we see how I knew I would have done this, but I don't do that no more. I, I would have thought like this, like Sister Bond was saying, instead of going and cussing somebody out, she praying for them. That's not the world's way. That's God's way. Amen. But if you're not seeing that change, then you might want to go back. We already know this, but we're not saying it. When we are changed, we automatically try to do things like Christ. Amen. Amen. There is a propensity now to go toward Christ Mm -hmm. than go away from him. Because I don't know about y'all, but I remember vague, I mean, or clearly how I'd be in the marketplace. I'd be at work or somewhere, and there was this guy or, or a gal who's always talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used to hate to hear that. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, Lord, and I'm crazy. Here I am. I'm saying, oh, Lord, and I don't even know the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, oh, Lord, here come this Jesus guy again. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick of hearing this Jesus mm-hmm. fanatic. But that's how the world thinks. And I can see in my mind that I used to see them coming and I go the other way. Mm-hmm. But when God got a hold of me on the inside and he changed me according to his calling and his gift. Now I run to him that's talking about Jesus. Now I can't get enough of Jesus. When I hear somebody tell about Jesus, I want to get in the crowd with him. But that's totally opposite of the way I used to think. And I bet you can say the same thing that, and you don't know how that change happened. You didn't just make the decision, but God did it to you. You didn't get that appetite on your own, but that's one of his gifts. His gift is a gift to us to have a desire for his word, have a desire to know about him, have a desire for him for without that desire that he puts on us, we go the other way. Amen. But the good news is it's irrevocable. God will never take it back. Even though we stumble, we don't utterly fall. We're cast down, but not destroyed. That's good news, saints, that we our business is fixed. And you know what that does for us? That allows us to be free to work for the master. When you don't get tied up and and tangled up and well, I, I, I better do this and, and, and I better do that and I, I got to do this. And I'm wondering if I'm, you know, if I'm going to make it in. That's a weight. That's a weight when your, your surety about where you are in Christ is up for grabs. 
But when you know that you know that you know that you're safe in the arms of Jesus, you can run for him then. Because that ain't even a concern for you no more. All you're trying to do then is obey his will. All you're doing is running for him and doing what he can, not being worried about your state in him. But what can you do because of what he's already done for you? Amen? That's a whole different level. That's a whole different level of freedom when you can see your salvation that way. Amen? Deke, talk to it. Time, yeah. Now that's a good song right there. Amen. Amen, Deke. Thank you. Verse 30. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Now, he's talking to the Gentile. And he says, we were once disobedient to God. We can all stand up and say amen to that. can we? But he says here, you have now obtained mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is like the, I want to say it as the, the kindness you're giving on to someone. Like showing a lot in severity of what you're doing or how you're going about it towards someone. All right. Now watch this. Let's, let's, let's go from here, Tasha. Um, mercy. Under what, under what circumstance would you usually say, Give me mercy. Have mercy on me. What, what state is that? I mean, you did something. You forgive. Uh-huh. Forgive for mercy. And the reason why? What's, what, what, what circumstance are you under, Tyshawn? State of need. State of need. So what, what's usually happening when you say, oh, have mercy on me? Yeah. Something's coming against you, right? Something's giving you discomfort or judging you, right? But then you say, have mercy. And you say, have mercy so that the person who's applying something to you does what? Ease up. Ease up. There it is. Sister Bond, you got something? Okay. Mercy. We have the opportunity to come to Christ Because God has had mercy on us. But look at the text though. For as you were once disobedient to God. Now now watch this. Those who were disobedient, the Bible says, were children of the wrath of God. In other words, those of the sons of disobedience were set apart for the wrath of God. So we obtained mercy and what got eased up? The wrath. We were set up when it was just Israel. All other nations were set up for the wrath of God. Israel saved everybody else condemned. But because of their disobedience, we have now obtained mercy. We owe them a big debt of gratitude. Even though as negative as that is, God has used that negative situation For our good. Because he eased up on us. He had mercy on us. We should have been in our graves. In a burning hell. Just like the rich man DV saying. If somebody would dip their finger in the water. And cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in the flames. 
That's where we should be. But because of their disobedience, opened up an opportunity for God to ease up on the condemnation that we deserve. Praise his holy name. As crazy as the offense was, it came to be our benefit. Amen? Amen. And so that's why we ought to be always praying for Israel. And we ought to always be in alliance to them because we owe them a great debt. They may not even understand it, but it's true. God said he's going to provoke them to jealousy. Amen. And so now as we continue in our text, verse 31, even so these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. What does that mean, y'all? Look at that for a minute. Verse 30 says, Even though they did believe, they now have the mercy that you have. Absolutely. Because God is a no respecter of persons. And do you see in verse 30, while we were disobedient, he had mercy on us, didn't he? So since he's had this mercy on us, absolutely, and then also to Israel. The same mercy, amen, for the same reason. We were disobedient, they're disobedient. He gave us mercy, he's given them mercy. Amen, Romans chapter 2, verse 11. God has no respect of persons. Amen? So then we move on to verse 33 and says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now, look at the situation that God has set up. Who would have ever thought that this is the way that a world would obtain salvation. This is the way that a world might have the opportunity to trust and believe in Jesus by his own chosen people being rejected. Who would have ever thought that up? And so this text says, and and Paul, as he's listening to the word of God being inspired in him, he sees how, how rich the wisdom and knowledge of God is. It goes beyond our comprehension. And so that's why when we go through the times of our lives, the situations, the trials, the tribulations, the ups and downs, the successes and the failures, it's why we ought not try to figure it out and work everything out ourselves. Because a lot of times all we do is mess it up all the more. But we got somebody who's got infinite wisdom and infinite knowledge. And he knows the beginning and the end. So for us, that ought to give us some rest from trying to labor. When Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. 
I'll give you rest. You don't have to worry over this stuff. You ain't got to figure all this stuff out. It's too big and too complicated for you anyway. Let me handle it. You just follow me. The Lord is saying, keep your faith in me and follow me. You don't have to work it out. If you follow me, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to work out for the good if you follow me. He is the way. Because so many times when we try to take it in our own hands, we can't do it. All we do is frustrate ourselves and get tired, get sick, get stressing and crazy, have heart attacks and strokes and everything else trying to do it ourselves. And God says, you don't need to carry that load. Talk, D. Is, uh, did Israel forget or did not believe the promise that God promised Abraham? Now, they believed the promise. Absolutely. They were staunch believers in the covenant God, Jehovah, and that his promises that through Abraham, that he would be a father of many nations and that their blessing was going to come down through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They believed all that. They were staunch followers of, of circumcision. But what they didn't believe is that their deliverance would come through somebody that looked like Jesus. That's what they didn't believe. They didn't believe that's the way it ought to come. They believed that the Messiah would come with military might. He would come with, you know, white horses and armies to overthrow the governments that had oppressed them. He, he would come with political power and he would reestablish the kingdom and set kings in place and dignitaries in place. That's what they believed because of the things they read in the word. But they didn't understand how the kingdom was going to come. They thought it was going to come in a worldly fashion. But it was going to come spiritually. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, lowly Jesus, they're like, he can't be the one. He doesn't even look like the one that's in this text. But the Bible says that their eyes had been blinded to the truth. We were with a group of people who worked together, and there are different religions are there, okay? But anyway, uh, I suggest that Jesus Christ was righteous and had no sin. Then someone said that, but he came in the flesh. <laughs> I said, well, God do what he want to do. Okay, the point I'm saying is, they said that he came through a woman, which was flesh, and he come in the form of flesh. So I said, what they got to do of him not sinning? What they have to do with it? That's right. See? That's so right. So you got to understand who he was. Okay, so a lot of people look at Jesus Christ because he uh, healed the sick, what have you. They see that quite well, but up here, they, he wanted them to know exactly who he was. So Peter told us, but what did he say? Thou art the Christ, but the well, Father, Father told, told you that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This was not revealed yeah. to you in flesh and blood, yeah. but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. But you know, that's, a, that's an interesting point that Deacon brings up about in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Adam came in the flesh, mm-hmm. and he was 
holy and righteous until disobedience came. And there's something about Adam that's the same about Jesus. And what is that? Son of the Father. Huh? Go ahead, Dick. I think you're on the same both, track. Yeah, both of them was out sin. And one didn't have no Elijah father. One. But the other one is the fact both of them was out sin at one time. At the beginning. Adam was too. But the thing is too is that they both came. They both father was God. Because the Bible in the Gospels will refer to Adam as the son of God. That's right. He was made directly by God. And Jesus father was God. It wasn't Joseph. Joseph's stepfather. His real dad. Is God. And the difference between Jesus and Adam is that Jesus never sinned. Jesus kept it. So it's not the idea of the flesh alone, just the body. Well, what, 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 what they really didn't understand, and what you just said, I wish I could have told them that, that Jesus was God's son. God's son. I, he, I mean, Mary didn't have nothing to do with that. That's right. That's God's son. She was a host yeah. to form the flesh, but God put him there. Yeah. It's God directly, God's son. Mm-hmm. And Adam was the same way, and he was without sin until he decided mm-hmm. to disobey. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so the text says, oh, how unsearchable are his judgments mm-hmm. and his ways past finding out. You know, that's, that's bad news and that's good news. That's bad news for the person who just got to know everything. And yeah, I mean, all of us know somebody probably that's just got to know it all. Has got to theorize and postulate and theorize and postulate and over and over trying to know everything. But you ain't going to never know God. You're going to never know him completely because he's infinite. All you will do is blow up your brain trying to know God because it's impossible for our finite minds to get around an infinite God. Am I right about it? Mr. Butler, you all right? (laughs) Talk to you. It's really we laugh about it a lot of times. One of my best friends, we was talking about something. And he told me, he said, Roy, you think you know everything. I responded like this. Almost. And from there, man, we fell out laughing, okay? So every once in a while, we go back to that and we crack up about it, Okay. (laughs) amen 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 verses uh, 34 and 35 it says for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him has there the Job makes that real clear. He said, who's known the mind of God? Who has known the mind of God? 
Was anybody there when he said, let there be? Nobody. But God. Who understood what he was thinking at the time he decided to create the whole universe? This same mind is so powerful that by the time we figure out that we're in a solar system, we find thousands of more solar systems. His mind is so powerful, while we're spending time trying to look farther out, he's made things that we can't find farther in. Every time you turn around, scientists are taking stronger and stronger microscopes and they're finding more and more organisms smaller and smaller that they hadn't seen before. The mind of our God is so powerful that he can make infinite stuff spatially going out and sizable, but make things infinitesimally small. And not just things, but living things order in places that the best of our technology still can't go. As, as those scientists who go down into the depths of the sea, they find new organisms that at each depth that they can go, but then they realize that there's a further depth that they can't reach. But they know that there's something else there, but they can't even discover it. So God is so powerful, he makes things infinitesimally small. He makes things that we can't discover right up under our nose. And also things that we can't reach is so far away. Let's take the atom. Okay. Absolutely. Still with atom. Still. <laughs> keep atom. splitting them. Yeah. Nucleus and protons and neutrons. Yeah. They keep splitting it. Then they find them smaller and smaller. Yeah. But that's the kind of God we serve. <laughs> yeah. And so if the kind of God we serve can do that, mm-hmm. both directions, <laughs> surely he can deal with the circumstances of our lives, can he? Surely he can deal with a marriage. Surely he can deal with relationship. Surely he can deal with our health. Surely he can deal with our job. Surely he can deal with the provisions that we need to live. If he can do all that, he can surely take care of our little selves on this planet and all that we have to deal with. So the more we know about this God, the more we must realize that we just put it in his hands. Stop worrying about it. Stop trolling over it and let God work it out. Amen. 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 And so then it says, oh, who has become his counselor? (laughs) Has anybody, has God ever come down and said, hey, Dick, what what do you think about this? Huh? Can, can, can you give me some insight? You know, amen. <laughs> That's right. When, when, when God said, when God asked Ezekiel a question, he said, can these bones live again? Ezekiel knew better than to say uh, yes or no. Because he understood God is too much. He knew too much. He's too wise. And he was too limited. That Ezekiel was too limited. He said, you know what? I'm putting this back where it belongs. You know. Thank you, D. And that's how we ought to be. When we're trying to figure stuff out, say, you know what? God, you know. And I'm going to put it in your hands. And just things around here at the church, things we go through around here and challenges will put you in a position that if you swear to worrying about it and trying to do it all, all you'll do is give yourself an ulcer. But that's the point to say, Lord, I know you done saw me this far and you will see me the rest of the way. Lord, I don't know how you're going to work it out. And I can't figure it out. But Lord, I'm putting it in your hands because I know you got all power to do whatever you need to do. 
Whatever situation comes, let the Lord handle it. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to let him have it. And in that, we show the world what it's like to be a kingdom citizen. When I talk about the kingdom agenda so much, I'm talking about a citizenship. I'm talking about we have been changed. Look, we were once in the kingdom of this world, and now we're in the kingdom of God. And since we're in that kingdom, we operate according to those laws. As Sister Baum was saying earlier, she don't operate according to the world's laws anymore. When she should have been in the world cussing somebody out, she was praying for them. See, but that's what the world needs to see. Sister Dealwood, what you say? Sure do. Yeah. We like this. We too close to heaven to turn around now. Absolutely. Way too close to turn around now. Can't turn around now. And we are, mm-hmm. we're. I see, I see, it's just so sad to see all that. Yeah. It sure is. Right. But one thing's for sure, did not the word say it was coming? Mm-hmm. Yes. It said, and we are here. We are here. So that's another for us. Exactly. See how he got the smile on Sister Bond's face? That's what it do. When we see the word come true, then we say, if that's true, then everything else is too. And you see it every day. Sure do. Every day. His word in reality. His word coming to pass every day. It will not. Isaiah 55 say, my word will not come back void. Pass away, but not. Hey, Hallelujah. Jesus, didn't he say it? Yes, he did. Amen. Verse 35. Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? Who has ever given God anything that God would have to say, uh, 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 Jimmy, you remember when, I, when you let me borrow that $5? I, I got the $5 back. Thank you, God. I don't think so. Ain't happening. It'd be odd. It'd be strange, wouldn't it? Who has ever? So the Old Testament scriptures were constantly saying just what Paul said. And here's another a lesson right here in this text. Have you noticed what Paul has been doing? Paul will say some things. Then he'll quote scripture. Say some things and quote scripture. Paul, as the apostle, did not work upon his own strength. He did what he did according to the word. And he was saying to the folks, he said, this stuff ain't just coming off the top of my head. It's in the word. And that very example is how you and I have got to operate. If we're going to be powerful and we're going to be successful in the work that God has for us, you got to have a word. You don't come off of what I think or my opinions. You say, but thus saith the Lord. In his word, God said X. In his word, God said, why? That's why it's so important to really learn your word, to really meditate and to get it in on inside. Because the only authority you and I have is the authority of the word of God. We don't come with no authority. When I stand to preach, I'm not preaching out of my authority. I'm a preaching out of God's word's authority. And when we talk to folks about the Lord, we talk according to the word. And when we do that, God will honor that. 
Because he loves to hear his word. Deacon, talk to him. If I tell the Lord, you know, Lord, I did a good deed today. I'm going to cause you to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you was going to do it from the beginning. From the very beginning. Yeah. It's the same thing about the five dollars. Same thing. Same thing. That's God. Yeah. You already, I, I'm the one who called you to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. The silver and the gold is mine. Could talk to him. So, now you said he already knew what was going to happen before it happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say I witnessed that happen. Like, All right. In the sense that he said it would happen and then it happened. Because mm-hmm. I remember, like, I was, the reason I was reading Matthews because mm-hmm. I was trying to learn about prophets. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to place a prophet upon you, but don't. Do not not pay no mind. Like, pay attention. Pay close attention to me. Uh-huh. You see, the lady that I'm currently talking to now, mm-hmm. I feel she's a strong prophet. Because mm-hmm. just last night, she had a dream about this world. She said the moon was green. It was greener than a jacket or greener than a dollar bill. But she said it wasn't a good green. Mm-hmm. She said everyone was smoking weed under the moon and just not paying no mind to the moon. And she was trying to get everybody to pay attention to it and nobody would pay attention to it because their minds were already focused and already clustered. She said she was in the house. She said her family was on the porch. She said the door was open. She tried to close it, but she couldn't close it because something was standing in the doorway. And I told her, I was like, just out of nowhere it came to me. You're in the house. You're on the outside. Well, you're on the inside looking out, but you're trying to get them to look in and pay attention to What's happening in this world? What's in the way of that door is the devil trying to keep you from telling them. Mm-hmm. And I was asking her, what's stopping you from telling them? She was like, she don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's only the fact that she don't want to let her light shine through the shadows. My Lord. She's scared to stand up. And like, this is what I was telling you about. I wanted to talk to you about. Because mm-hmm. like, I sat in here and I just listened. That's why I wasn't speaking much. Because I wanted it to all make sense. And it all makes sense now. Like, mm-hmm. She's not trying to let her light shine. She's mm-hmm. scared. But of what? She's a prophet. Like, she told me something that I've been trying to figure out. Like, why all of a sudden we want to be legalized? I thought it was a drug. Why is it? Why is this? Why is the government trying to make it decriminalized? And he wants us to clutter our mind and take our mind off of what's happening. Through all the wars, through all the troubles, and all the trials and tribulations. He don't want us to see it because he wanted to just be the opposite of what it's supposed to be. He don't want us to be saved. Yeah, no, that's right. Sit and just wait. And then when it happens, it'll be too late. That's right. The Bible says he is a roaring lion mm-hmm. seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. Not slap on the back, not, not trip, but to kill. That's his job. And we were just talking Sunday, Tashana, about letting our light so shine. And that the Bible says over in in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, stir up the gift. Mm -hmm. If she's gifted by God and anointed, then she got to tell it. She got to tell folks about the good news because it's stirring up the gift. And he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you got a spirit of fear, then that spirit is not from God. Amen. But of power and love and sound mindedness. So the power is the power of the Holy Spirit 
to enact on the words of the word of God that God gives us to make a change. And love to be able to look beyond folks' faults and to see their need. But then that word sound-mindedness means self-discipline. The ability for us not to just do anything and everything we want to do. Which goes back once again, I keep coming back to Sister Bond. When she first said, she said, I would have done this, but now I pray for him. I would have said this, but I kept my peace. The spirit that we have now is a spirit of self-discipline. I'm not going to sleep with any and everybody. I'm not going to lie and steal on folk. I'm not going to, because I'm self-disciplined now by the spirit that's in me. It causes you to do right when you would have done wrong. And so the fear is nothing but an attack from the devil because the devils, there is two, there's, there's these two masters. You must love the one and hate the other. So if, there's a, if God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, then the spirit of fear must come from Satan. And so she must cast off that by her love for other folks. Because the Bible says, perfect love casts off all fear. So the love that she has for other folks to see them better off will be the thing that causes her to cast off that fear. Because fear, the, the lack of fear and love goes together. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, everybody? Mm-hmm. Amen. Tashawn, you got some more? Got anything else? That's just what I need to really get answers to. Because like, last time it was, I was wondering why I wasn't, nothing going right. Because you told me in your, in your sermon that you gave, I was trying to do it by myself. I wasn't supposed to have been doing it. Amen. I'm trying to make it a 50 50 when it's supposed to be 100 to a zero. Amen. And I didn't know that. And then after I started, like, after I found out what I was searching for, I promise you, after everything is just like, like it never happened before. It's like, it's all gone. It's all gone. Praise and God. I got this one. It's just, I'm just waiting to see what he's going to throw at me after that. Amen. He's making me stronger. Praise God, because that's what he'll do. Amen. 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 Let's close out with this last verse before we go, y'all. Uh, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are what? Or what, everybody? Or what? Verse 36. There it is. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Tershawn just got through saying, uh, I thought it was 50 50, but I found out it was 100 zero. The text clearly says for of him and through him and to him are all things. Every good thing that we have in Christ is of God. And in order for us to do what God wants us to do, it's got to be through God. You see that? It's of God that we have it. And in order to use it, it's through God. And then in the end, it's giving glory to God. So when we're all done, everything gets right back to God. And it becomes a zero, 100%. And the quicker we learn that and the quicker we execute on that, the better off we're going to be. Because as he says at the end, glory forever. 
Amen. God is not a man that he should lie, nor can he die. Amen. Amen. Any questions or comments? You know, everything God made, he always said. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Everything God made. He said. That's good. Amen. Amen. All right. If there is no more questions or comments, amen. Let's get ready to have our benediction in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, thank you, Master, for another day. Lord, thank you for another opportunity to study your word, O God. Lord, thank you for the saints who thought it well to come out to the house of the Lord. Master, Lord, thank you for keeping us from dangers seen and unseen. But Lord, most of all, Lord, help us to hide this word in our hearts, O God. Lord, that we would be better Christians, O God, better citizens of the kingdom of God. That boys and girls, men and women might see us, but not us, and see you. That we are of you, and we are through you, and we are to you in all things. That when we let our light so shine, it's not our light at all, but it's the light of God. So, Lord, keep us in your perfect peace, O God. Stir up the gift that's within us, Lord, that we may not be fearful of the work that's set before us, but also have love for those who are perishing and sound mindedness so that we can stay on the narrow track that the world will not have any blame against us. Lord, we thank you and we lift you up for you are worthy to be praised. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church said, amen. amen.